0: Well, hey, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you. Uh, That's not Jordan. Again, that is Joel Cavazos. Appreciate Joel for leading us this morning in worship. Great job, man. (laughs) Seems like whenever I preach, Jordan leaves town. I'm not really sure what that's about, but it is great to have uh, some very gifted people. Joel and his family are a part of our church and graciously volunteered to step in. And, uh, and lead us in worship this morning. Um, Jordan and his family are on a little little vacation. So, um, if we haven't met, my name's Dave. I'm one of our pastors. You are here this summer. We're in the midst of a series um, called Living the Dream, where we are uh, walking through and exploring the life of a very important Old Testament character named Joseph. Um, his story is found in the book of Genesis. And uh, again, I've said this before, but there are more chapters devoted to the life of Joseph in the book of Genesis than any other character. Um, his life has much to teach us. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in chapter 41 uh, today. For the most part, we're going to jump around and look at a few other places as well. But chapter 41 is, is where we'll start. And I'll just kind of catch you up on his life. Um, it's taken some twists and turns up to this point. Uh, things have not always gone really well for Joseph Uh, First of all, he is uh, sold into slavery by his brothers. His brothers despised him. Um, And so they ultimately, they were going to kill him. And then one of them steps up and goes, hey, let's not kill him. I mean, there's no profit in that. Let's just sell him. So they sold him into slavery and he ends up in Egypt. He ends up in the house of a man named Potiphar. He starts out as a very lowly, common servant in the house, but quickly he earns the trust of Potiphar. He proves to be um, a hard worker and and very trustworthy, and it's not long before he rises up through the ranks where pretty soon he's in charge of all of Potiphar's uh, household. And that means not just his household, all of his business dealings and and everything. He was so trustworthy that Potiphar saw something in him to let him lead his whole household. Well, then, um, after some time, Potiphar's wife tries to seduce Joseph He refuses her repeated advances until she finally accuses him of raping her, of assaulting her. And then Joseph ends up falsely accused and thrown into the pit, thrown into prison. So while he's in prison, um, there's a couple of guys in there that are having these dreams and, and they don't know what they mean. And Joseph then interprets their dreams for them. And he says, listen, look, if you'll remember me, in fact, his interpretation of the dream allowed one of them to get out. And Joseph says, look, if you'll just remember me when you get out, put in a good word for me. But then we're told that the guy just forgets him. He just forgets all about Joseph. The guy that helped him get out, he just forgets him. So Joseph just stays in prison for years for something he did not do after being sold into slavery. While he's there, Pharaoh has a dream. Pharaoh brings in all of his advisors and all of his sayers and no one can tell Pharaoh what the dream means. And so finally this guy goes, you know, I remember years ago there was this guy in prison who helped me. And so Pharaoh's like, go get him. They go get Joseph. Joseph comes before Pharaoh and Joseph then interprets the dream for Pharaoh. And this is really impressive. Pharaoh is really impressed with Joseph and his ability to, to do this. And so we pick up in, in 41 and then You're going to see things start to go really, really well for Joseph now. So after Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream, tells him what's going to happen, there's going to be a famine in the land. There's going to be seven years of famine, I mean, seven years of plenty, and then seven years of famine. In verse 37, we pick up of chapter 41, it says, this proposal pleased Pharaoh and all of his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all of this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand, and he put it on Joseph's hand, and he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him ride in his second chariot, and they called out before him, bow the knee. And thus he set him over all the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no one shall lift up a hand or foot in all of the land of Egypt. So Joseph finds himself now, uh, man, he's gone from, from prison to, to powerful, right? He's gone from the pit to the palace, you might say. I mean, he, his life has taken a drastic turn. He starts out and several times he's forgotten, he's lowly, he's a servant, he's in prison. and All of a sudden now he is second in charge of all of Egypt. Second in charge of all of Egypt. As I read about Joseph's life, especially these, these, early, these early chapters of his life, one thing that you can't sort of get away from, and I've mentioned this before, is that Joseph just seems to be a guy that grows wherever he is planted. You notice that? No matter the situation, no matter the circumstances, no matter the surroundings where he finds himself, the unfair, you know, uh, routes that his life takes, Joseph just seems to bloom, to grow wherever he is planted. I mean, he is taken from his home and he's put into this house of a guy named Potiphar. He doesn't know anyone. So what's he going to do? Is he going to sort of sulk and woe his meat? No, he gets busy and he begins to serve and he develops trust and he does a really good job in Potiphar's house. He just blooms where he's planted. Then he's thrown in prison. There's, you know, it's like the worst place you can be in, in, in Egypt. I mean, these, it, was, it was a rough place. And instead of, again, just kind of sulking and, and woe is me, he just blooms wherever he is planted. And now he finds himself in command of all of Egypt. Here's what I want to talk about with you in the brief time we have together this morning I want to talk about this idea of us being people that learn to bloom, that learn to grow where we are planted. I think, if we're honest, I say we because I'm very much in this category, I think we sometimes struggle with, with that. Uh, Austin says it this way sometimes, we need to learn to be where our feet are, right? You learn to be where our feet are. And there's a lot of times I feel like that we just really struggle with this idea, and there's a couple reasons for that. Uh, one is that a lot of times we're, looking, we're always looking ahead to the next thing, right? Maybe you're like that. Maybe You're like that. You're always a future, in the future, this is going to be better one day when I get this whatever, you know. And I talk to people in all different phases and stages of life, and that's often what you hear, right? You talk to, you talk to young single people, and they're like, yeah, one day when I get married, it's going to be, I'm going to have all, you know, they talk about the future. When I get married one day, it's going to be fantastic. And then they, they get married, and you hear stuff like, well, one day when we have kids, when we have kids down the road, it's going to be, you know, great. And then it's, they have kids that are like, one day when they're out of diapers, right, when they're not, you know, being a little crazy toddler. It's going to be awesome, right? And then they get a little older and you're like, oh, when they're not teenagers. Gosh, teenagers are, you know, you, oh, well, one day when they're out of the house, we're going to have so much time on our hands. It's going to be so awesome one day when we just, then you get to the, well, one day when retirement, when I get to retirement, retirement's going to be awesome, right? I don't know what happens after that, right? I'm not really sure, but right? Is that not what we do though? We, we just kind of play this game where instead of living where we are in the phase that we're in, we always sort of think about the next phase and what's next. And so that prevents us from sort of living where we are. It prevents us from, from blooming where we're planted, right? Always thinking about the next phase. I've said this before, but the, the best phase of your life is the one you're in right now. And we need to learn to just Man, be where our feet are and and bloom where we are planted and be the people God wants us to be here and now. For some of you, it's not that you look ahead, it's that you really can't bloom where you're planted, you can't grow where you're planted because you're just looking back all the time. You know, there's mistakes you've made, sins you've made, things that have been done to you, that we just can't seem to break free from. And it's, it's, I can't really grow where I'm planted because I'm always thinking back. I'm always thinking about stuff I wished I hadn't done or shouldn't have done or, or, or something that's been done to me. And we just have a hard time really growing where we are because we just can't quit looking back. And then for others, what happens is we just, we think about our life and, and we're just not where we want to be, Right? man, I'm not where I want to be in my career. I'm not where I want to be with my family. Uh, I'm, not where, I'm not living where I want to live. I'm not, in the right, I'm, not, I'm not in the right situation. Things haven't panned out the way I thought they would. And so we don't grow where we're planted because we're just thinking about, you know, all the stuff we wished we could have done, could have accomplished, ladders we wished we could have climbed by this particular time and season. And so for a lot of different reasons, I think we struggle sort of growing where we're planted sometimes when I look at the life of Joseph, I see a guy that, man, he just learned to grow where he was planted. And so what I want to talk about is maybe just some, some things that, I, as I read through these chapters about Joseph's life, some things that, that he did that I think can help us grow where we are planted, all right? And so the first one of those is this, Joseph refused to live with a victim mentality, now, I won't spend too much time on this one. Uh, Jonah, our missions pastor, talked about this a little bit last week, right? If you were here, a uh, great message where he talked about the fact that often what happens when we are victims is it, it, it hardens our heart a little bit. It grows us. Um, there's a lot of animosity and anger and resentment. We want to get revenge. We want to get even. And so he even connected it and talked about how, uh, you know, movies today often show the victim that turns into the villain, Right? <laughs> The victim turns into the villain. And so the, the, the lesson was really great. It was, listen, let's not allow that to happen in our lives. The Apostle Paul says, uh, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Where our culture would say, if you've been wounded and you've been wronged and you've been hurt, you have a right to become the villain. Scripture is going to say something very, very different. And I also want to be careful when I say this, because I don't want this to sound like a, um, like a self-help sermon, you know? Where I'm just like, you know, you just need to have positive attitude and think positively and you'll be fine and just pick yourself up by your bootstraps and here's nine steps to better living. And like, that's not, that's not really where I'm, where I want to go with this. When I say victim mentality, here's what I need you to understand. To not live with a victim mentality doesn't mean that you're not a victim. It doesn't mean that you can just ignore things that have happened to you, brush them off, it's no big deal. I know if you've been victimized, there's nothing more frustrating than for someone to tell you, oh, just put it behind you. It doesn't work that way, right? And so what I want you to notice is Joseph didn't live with a victim mentality, but Joseph was a victim and he acknowledged that. Over in chapter 40, verse 15, uh, Joseph says this, for I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. Hebrews. And here also I have done nothing that they should put me into the pit. Joseph doesn't ignore what what happened to him. He doesn't say, oh, well, I'll just blow it off. No, he's acknowledging I am a victim. I was a victim, but he doesn't live with a victim mentality. When I talk about a victim mentality, what I mean is not living with um, a defeated mindset, not living life as if you are defeated at every turn. And again, the answer is not like deep within yourself, just think more positively. No, the answer is we are not defeated because of Jesus, right? In the church, we are not defeated because of Jesus. In fact, I'll show you a text over in Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 35. Here's what the apostle Paul writes. He says, "'Who shall separate us from the love of Christ?' Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Down in verse 37. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's Christ. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We don't have to live defeated lives. We don't have to live lives as victims because in Christ, we're not defeated. It doesn't matter what has happened to you. You're not defeated. In Christ, he went to a cross. He gave up his life on the cross in your place for your sin. Man, we are more than conquerors. And so the first thing when I look at Joseph's life, even though he was a victim, he didn't live life with that victim mentality. He, he didn't live a defeated life. No matter where he found himself, man, he was not broken. He was not defeated. Potiphar's house, prison, wherever it was. And so, and if you really want to grow where you're planted, you can't have this idea that I'm, you know, woe is, but I'm defeated. Um, no, you're not. Because you are who Christ says you are. The second thing, I look at Joseph's life, and, and I see that, that Joseph was able to use his gift when he was given the opportunity. Use your gift or your gifts when given the opportunity. So Joseph, again, he finds himself in Potiphar's house. You know how like sometimes people, when they don't really wanna be somewhere, they don't really work that hard. Just kinda like, all right, fine, whatever. Man, Joseph, he lands in Potiphar's house and he just gets after it. He starts working and proving himself trustworthy. He's using his gift, He, he ends up in prison. He has this unbelievable gift to interpret dreams. And instead of sitting in prison being like, I'm not helping these fools. I don't even need to be here. This is ridiculous. No, you know what he does? Oh, let me, let me see if I can interpret these dreams. Let me help you God. Let me use my gift for your good. Even in prison. Joseph used his giftedness when the opportunity presented itself. If you want to grow where you're planted, don't wait to serve God at some mythic future date where you end up where you want to be. Start serving God and blessing others now. Use your giftedness now. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul writes, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Verse 7 To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. God has given you gifts. God has given you, man, something that His Holy Spirit puts inside of you where you can use that for the common good to be a blessing. Don't waste your giftedness and don't waste the opportunities that God brings your way. That's something I see that Joseph doesn't do. He doesn't wait for the situation to be ideal, the circumstances to be perfect, For him to start using the gift that god had given him you want to grow where you're planted man start using the gifts that god's given you the third thing i see that joseph does is that joseph gives the glory to god and he continues to live the life of a worshiper even in the midst of again unfairness towards him joseph doesn't stop giving the glory, giving the credit to God and and living a life of worship. There's a couple times in chapter 41 where Pharaoh, uh, Joseph's talking to Pharaoh and Pharaoh is really impressed with Joseph and this unbelievable gift that he has. And so he's kind of talking him up and he's trying to, he's telling Joseph, man, you're awesome, you're amazing, right? Joseph responds both in verse 16 and in verse 28 by deflecting the credit, deflecting the glory back to God, okay? In verse 16, Pharaoh's just said, here, I've heard that you can do this amazing gift. I heard that you're awesome. And in verse 16, Joseph answered Pharaoh, it's not me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. It's God. Down in verse 28, it is, as I told Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he's about to do. Joseph's going, hey, man, this isn't me. Listen, Pharaoh's like, I hear hear you're awesome. I hear you can do Man, you're amazing. You can interpret my dream. You're great. And Joseph's not over there going... Yeah, I mean, I am. I am pretty awesome. I'm glad you noticed. I'm kind of a big deal. You should really think about putting me in charge because I'm awesome. Like, no, Joseph's like, man, it is not me. It is not about me. God is the one that is working through me. God is the one that is showing you these things. Joseph's so quick to sort of deflect the credit, deflect the glory, and give the praise and glory to God. So here's just a simple question for you. In your life, who gets the credit and who gets the glory for your giftedness? Who gets the credit? Who gets the glory for the things that you do well? I mean, you know as well as I do, we live in a culture where it's all about pointing to yourself. It's all about pointing to yourself. Joseph is someone that lived differently. Instead of kind of keeping on the credit and the glory, he seems to deflect the glory and the credit to God every opportunity that he gets. He lived a life of worship in spite of all the wrong that he had suffered. Number four, we've kind of touched on it, but Joseph, no matter where he is, he always seems to focus on others and not just himself. If you want to grow where you are planted, again, you got to get your eyes off of you and your situation and more on to the people that God places around you. Over in Philippians chapter two, Philippians chapter two, verses three and four. Paul writes to the church and he says, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also the interest of others. Man, this is something that Paul writes to the church about. Guys, we got to get our eyes off of ourselves and onto other people. If you want to grow where you are planted Man, we've got to get our eyes off of us. This is what Joseph does. Joseph, no matter where he's at, he's in Potiphar's house. You know what? I'm going to focus on the people around me. I'm going to focus on, on who's here in Potiphar's house, and I'm going to serve, and I'm going to work hard, and I'm going to earn their trust. Oh, I'm in prison? Okay, well, I'm going to focus on the other. There are other prisoners here that, that could use my giftedness and my help. I'm not going to focus on me and my situation. I'm going to focus on other people. If you want to grow where you're planted, we've got to get our eyes off of us and on to other people wherever, wherever you are. There's an interesting verse in Acts chapter 17. In Acts 17, verse 26, it says that that he, that's God, he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. And then it says, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling places. What that means is this, that you are not alive in 2021 by some cosmic freak accident. It means that you are not living where you live in Temple, Belton, Salado, Troy, wherever, wherever it is that you live right now. You are not there by some cosmic freak accident, that there is a sovereign God in the equation that has you living right now in the time in which you live and the place in which you live for a purpose and a reason. And so that means that the people around you are also around you for a purpose and a reason so that you can love them and serve them. Not so that you can just be focused on you. I've told you all my story before, and some of you may have a similar story where, you know, I, I came to college in Central Texas, and I thought, I'll do my four years, or five or six, or however long it takes, right? Um, and then I'm out, right? Like, no one's going to, I'm not going to stay in Belton, Texas. No one stays in, in Belton, Texas, right? And so I thought, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to do my time here, and I'm out. Well, I met my wife in college, and and then we stayed for a while. But even after we got married, we thought about moving. We looked at houses and other places and thought, let's move somewhere else. And we just never felt at peace about it, having no idea why God would would keep us here. And then years and years later, the opportunity to help plant a church. And so we can kind of look back now and go, okay, I, I see what God was doing. But in the moment, we didn't see that. And I thought I'd be here for a short season, and then I'm gone. I know some of you may feel that way. Maybe you're here going, I'm only here for a season. I'm not going to be here long. As soon as I can, another opportunity, I'm I'm gone. So there may be a little bit of a hesitation with really planting some roots and growing where you're planted because you think, I'm only here for a brief time. But what I would tell you is, man... Grow where you're planted now. You never know how long you're going to be here. You never know how God's going to work things out and orchestrate things. And even if you're only here for a short season, fine. Man, be the person God wants you to be. Live where you are now. Allow God to use you and work through you even now. Joseph focused on others. He wasn't, no matter where he was, he wasn't just focused on himself. The final thing that I see from the life of Joseph is that Joseph had a plan, not just a goal, okay? Have a plan, not just a goal. So Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream. He basically says, here's what your dream's about. There's gonna be seven years of plenty. The land is going to produce crops. It's gonna be amazing. For seven years, it's gonna be great. But then there's gonna be seven years of a severe famine. And so... Man, the goal is that we not all die during the famine, right? That's a good goal. The goal is let's we got to get through we got to get through this. But Joseph doesn't just tell Pharaoh, um, "Hey, there's going to be a famine. Good luck with that. Um, that's the goal. Let's not die during the famine." Joseph puts a plan in place to accomplish the goal. Look at the way the story the, this chapter kind of wraps up back in Genesis chapter forty-one. Beginning in verse 46, it says that Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh, and he went through all the land of Egypt. And during the seven plentiful years, the earth produced abundantly. And he gathered up all the food of these seven years which occurred in the land of Egypt, and he put the food in the cities, and he put in every city the food from the field around it. And Joseph stored up grain in great abundance." like the sand of the sea, until he ceased to measure it, for it could not be measured. There's a lot of food stored up. Down in verse 53, the seven years of plenty that occurred in the land of Egypt came to an end. And the seven years of famine began to come, as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the land, but in all the land of Egypt, there was bread. When all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, go to Joseph. What he says, you do. So when the famine had spread over all the land, Joseph opened up the storehouses and he sold to the Egyptians for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain because the famine was severe over all the earth." So Joseph interprets this dream. He's got this goal. We've got to get through the famine. But Joseph doesn't just have a goal. He has a plan. He's going to enact the plan, the strategy, to help them get through it. Here's the thing. Goals are great. I hope that you set some goals for yourself, maybe for your family. You have some really good goals. Goals are wonderful, but a goal in and of itself isn't, isn't enough. You need to have a plan or a strategy to accomplish, to accomplish the goal. You need to have a plan or a strategy to accomplish the mission, if you will. As I think about Joseph's life, I just, I just see a guy that, man, no matter what happened, no matter where he found himself, he was able to grow where he was planted. And there's a lot of reasons why I think that was true. There's a lot of reasons, a lot of lessons, I think, that, that Joseph, man, can teach us. Because here's our hope and our prayer, from our leadership on down, is we want to be a church, we want to be a place that we grow where God has planted us. We grow where God, we are faithful right here where God has planted us. We're not always going, hey, you know, next season of, next season of our church is gonna be awesome. Man, the next season's gonna be great. We're not always people going, you know, we've made some mistakes in the past. So let's focus, no. We want to be a place that goes right here, right now, where our feet are planted, where God has planted us. We want to grow. We want to be faithful in that. Because again, the text says that where we are is not some freak cosmic accident, that God has placed us here in 2021 in this specific location for a purpose and a reason. And, and man, we don't want to miss it. We don't want to miss being a part of what God is doing right here. So our challenge to you is, man, Let's not just be focused on next season, and let's not just look back at all the stuff we've, mistakes we've made. Let's live where our feet are. Let's grow where God's planted us. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful today for your unbelievable goodness to us. God, we're grateful that you have placed us here in this specific time, in this specific place. God, we're excited. We want to be a part of what you're doing here in Central Texas. So we ask that you would just help us to be the church that you want us to be. God, in in order for us to be the church that you want us to be, then individually we need to be the men and women that you want us to be. So Father, I pray. I pray today that we would maybe get our eyes off of ourselves and onto the people that you place around us. God, that we would not just look out for our own interests, but we would indeed look out for the interests of others. God, I pray we would be reminded today that we are not, God, we are not defeated. We don't have to live with a victim mentality in spite of the fact that that maybe many of us are indeed victims, but God, remind us today that in you, because of you, we are more than conquerors. And I pray that that truth would just bring some refreshing and reviving and some courage for some today. Lord, I pray that we could learn some lessons from the life of this faithful servant named Joseph, that we might, God, live where our feet are and grow where we're planted. We pray this today in Jesus' name, amen.